this morning. I pray that you would help continue for that to be the cry in our hearts, but also to move forward to say, oh my God, this world needs you. Um, Your glory needs to be known in our lives and in the entire world, and you have called us as your followers to live for you and for your glory. And I pray this morning that you would help us understand what Scripture is drawing us to and pointing us to as your followers and would encourage us, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would encourage us to live for your glory in all aspects of our lives. God, we love you so much, and we need you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. My name is Jordan, and uh, I'm one of the pastors at church, and it's a joy of mine to be able to be with you on this Missions Sunday. Uh, Partially, yes, Matt is out of town, and so I I get to fill in whenever he is not here, but also it makes sense because about, oh man, almost two years ago, the elders came to me on the staff team and just said, hey, would you mind putting your mind around and your strategic uh, planning around who we are as a church uh, in missions, uh, specifically? global missions, but as well as what it means for local missions. And I said, sure, absolutely. It's a huge passion of mine. Uh, I mean, a side note, it's not like the elders are just throwing things on me. I came to them first and said, hey, I love missions. If that's something you need help with, I'd be glad to help with it. They thought, they prayed, they saw a need. And so, uh, so that's how we got to where we are today. And so um, the whole focus of what we really want to drive to today is to take a break from our normal patterns. We do Mission Sunday once a year, uh, and, and, and intentionally, it's to take a break from our normal patterns and our normal rhythms and just see who we are missionally and see who our, um, who our missionaries are. Jonathan Olson, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Sorry, that's one of my students who went to college, and now he's back. I just noticed you for the first time. Um, squirrel. Um, anyway, that <laughs> happens frequently with me. Sorry, I had to say something. Um, dude, I can't get over that. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, so, the, 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 <laughs> uh, pulling it back together. So, uh, in, in the past, what we've done is we've taken a couple of uh, global missionaries or maybe even local partnerships that we have, and we've focused on just a few of those. And uh, we've had um, Henry from our South Sudan partnership come and share before. We've had uh, special conversations about Haiti and just kind of really focused conversations. Where today is going to be uh, a little bit different because we want to take more of a 30,000 foot level look at who we are missionally as a church. And the reason is, is because our um, newly formed a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, mission team has really worked hard at discovering and, and refocusing us on who we are missionally. So this is the perfect Sunday to just kind of throw out on the table, this is who we are as Harvest Community Church. Um, beyond that, what I want to do, I, I, I want to inform this morning. That's part of my heart. But also, more than informing, what I want to do is I want to challenge us, every single one of us, that God has called us individually to live missionally. I want to thank you so much for just taking part in this map. You know, whenever you have a vision and, uh, and it just kind of plays out in the way that you're thinking, it, it just, it brings joy to my heart. So seeing all of you interact with this map and putting pins in places where you're individually invested, uh, it, it brings great joy into my heart. And these uh, pins actually have something very strategic with where we're going today. 
Who are we as Harvest? Where are we invested individ- or as a church? Those are the red pins. But then, who, where are we invested individually? Now, this is great global picture. But where I want to end today is, where is God calling us individually in Hillsborough, in Beaverton, in Portland, in Oregon? What can he do every single day? And what does that mean for us? So before I go any further, I just want to be able to just inform you that uh, our, our missions team is made up of 10 individuals who are amazing individuals. And uh, what we do as a team is we work together to put strategic focus and vision. Then individually, we care for a local, um, a local partnership as well as one global missionary. And so if you have a, uh, a question about what are we doing in Sudan, there is one person on the mission team who is an expert about what's going on in, in South Sudan. So that person would get a hold of you. And so that's what we do as, as a missions team whenever we get together. It's our goal as a missions team and we realize it's an unrealistic goal, but yet we still aim for it because we think it's right to aim for. But it is our goal that 100% of Harvest Community Church is um, knowledgeable about where we are as a church and, and, and who we support and what these people are all about, as well as 100% of Harvest is somehow connected, invested in what we're doing locally. And so we make it an unattainable challenge because that's what we're driving to constantly. So I'm hoping over the next 12 months, you'll be hearing even more about who we are missionally, stemming from this conversation that we're having today. Uh, This team, we spent the last year really intentionally reaching out to all of our uh, missionaries and just reconnecting with them. We realized that in the most recent past that... um, holistically us as a church. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm just talking about uh, from, a, from a church staff standpoint, we have not done the best job at staying connected with our missionaries, and we didn't know what was going on in their lives, and so uh, we saw that as a problem. So we've spent the last year reconnecting, asking a lot of questions about who they are, what they see their needs are, the things that they're celebrating, and it has been a precious time and a precious season, uh, and it's also just helped us refocus. So when we come back to the greater church here, we're able to say, this is what God's doing across the world because of what you're doing here at Harvest. Do you realize that 10% of our budget around, it's not a straight 10%, but around 10% of our overall budget goes to missions? So whenever you give to Harvest Community Church, you are giving to these projects. You are invested whether you know it or not, and it's good stuff. Um, my goal today in moving us forward uh, is to um, have a family conversation, is to help us know what I mean by living missionally. Maybe this is a term you've never heard before, so we're going to unpack that in a little bit. Um, Have you know where we invested missionally as a church and encourage you through Scripture to be invested in individual lives? So what I'd like to do at first is just introduce to you these missionaries that we support as Harvest Community Church. There's our three points, sorry. Uh, Moving on. Um, So I got another activity for you. On the aisles, boom and boom, there's a stack of papers. Maybe you noticed whenever you came in. These are, this is a prayer sheet. So I want to encourage people sitting on the end, if you don't mind grabbing that stack, taking one down and passing it down the row, um, that would be awesome. There's not a whole 
ton of them, so maybe one per family for right now. And uh, if you're on the end and uh, you have extras, just kind of wave them around. I'm a youth pastor, so I don't mind distractions. And so uh, you guys can just make sure that these are getting passed out. Um, I know that there are many people who like to have physical things in their hands as well as just being informed. And so on this prayer sheet, this is something that we as a missions team are going to be putting out monthly uh, where you will see the pictures, these pictures that are on the, on the screen as well as on that, that, that sheet. You'll get to identify them as actual individuals. There's a brief uh, description about what they're doing and where they're at. And then there are three specific or two specific prayer requests, depending on what they've given us. And so um, these are ways for the month of November, we as a church can be praying for them. And so uh, be looking for this. This is the only time we're going to pass it out in the manner that I, we just did just now. Uh, Balcony, did you guys find them? I forgot to point it out, but there were. Up. Okay, awesome. Um, and so, uh, but we will have them at the, at the Welcome Center uh, every single month, and we'll let you know whenever they're available. And so, if you didn't get one today, there are more at the Welcome Table. You can grab as many as you want whenever you leave. But, okay, who are our missionaries? So just a very high-level overview about who, who these people are. So the very top row, we have our, our partnership with SEA Partners, C Partners. Recently, we got to meet uh, Michael and some of his crew. They came, they got to talk about the vision and direction with where um, they're going in Boma, South Sudan. So Boma, South Sudan is a really impoverished country and in our, uh, yeah, a country in Africa. And so um, they are uh, up on top of a mountain in Boma. It's a hilltop. Uh, there is a school and a church up there that they are continually trying to, to, to build up and make stronger. War comes in and tears it down and almost flattens it. People leave and people come back when there's peace. Right now there's peace and so they're just in the midst of restructuring. Again, there's so much more we can go into details, but we just don't have the time. Uh, but just kind of moving on. So uh, Boma, South Sudan. We also have um, uh, the Weber family. So the Webers grew up here at Harvest Community Church. He was a part of the youth ministry. He actually went to Canada on a bunch of mission trips with the Clibbins uh, many, many years ago. And so he's like homegrown harvester that is now living in, in Canada uh, at the Briarcrest College area. And so I think he's living, he's not living on campus, but he's living near the campus. And He's reaching out to the students over at Briarcrest, and what he, he does is he puts on a dance ministry. I know what you're thinking. Either A, what, or B, count me in. And so I know that they're all over the place. And so um, they actually came to Harvest about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and I got to see their production, and it is an amazing dance production. It's about an hour and a half long show that clearly presents the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what he's doing up in Canada. And they get to travel and tour around to high schools and to other churches all across the United States and in Canada and get to put these things on. Uh, a little side note about them, what's kind of cool and unique is that they have a unique perspective or a unique way to get into public schools. Uh, there's this thing called church separation between church and state where it's hard to be able to, to speak about Jesus in the school, where they're able to get into schools, teach dance, get kids and students um, uh, invested in like, hey man, this is a really cool thing. They teach them how to dance. Uh, they have little seminars and stuff. And then they invite them to a show at a church down the street later on in the week, and then they come out and they hear the gospel. So this is just patterns that, that are going on uh, with the Webers. Really cool ministry uh, that's going on with them. Oh, sorry, I don't want to go back. 
um, I'm going to the next, but not the next screen. There we go. So Ted and Donna Clibben, uh, they have been uh, serving in, with Native people in Canada, been doing this for many, many, many years. If you've been around Harvest for a, a long time, uh, it, we used to talk a lot more about what was going on, and we, there was a lot more teams and stuff going up to, to Canada. Um, things have, have shifted over the past couple years, but that doesn't mean that we are uninvested into what's going on over there. So we support the Clibbins, and uh, they are doing great work. They actually just got back from a trip to Canada. They're here this morning, so you're more than welcome to ask them questions about what that uh, trip was like. Um, last one on the top row is Haiti Foundation of Hope. We've talked a lot about that the past couple of years. We've sent missions to our medical missions teams as well as um, uh, other teams to um, care for the students, that, the high school students who go to school out there. Um, so much going on in that ministry, but that is a place where we're financially vested as well as where we send missions teams. Moving down to the bottom row, you see that, um, can you see the red on there that says 1040 window? These next three people live within the 1040 window. If you don't know what that means, I'll explain it here in a second. But the Yoder family is someone who's living in the Middle East, and, um, and they are specifically involved in a prayer ministry. They've been in the Middle East for over 25 years. They've been invested in lots of different things, tried lots of different ways uh, to be involved with what God is doing there and where they're living, and really feel strongly that God has called them most recently to a prayer ministry. So... Um, uh, Keith has a job and he's working, I, th I believe it's in a university, don't quote me on that, but he's working so he gets paid and it's, it's um, great that he's able to just live and support his family out there, but yet they're asking Jesus what he is doing uh, in the Muslim world around them to see what the gospel, how the gospel can, can infiltrate. And so it's, it's really cool. I got to sit out with them this past summer and what an amazing couple Ruth and Keith are, um, loving Jesus and loving what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, Renee, she's in an undisclosed an undisclosed location. Uh, she is serving Muslim women, uh, um, illiterate Muslim women specifically, uh, getting to love on them and care for them and show them the kind of love that maybe they don't get to receive very often. And uh, she also looks for unique ways and opportunities to get to talk about Jesus to these, to these people. And so, uh, and lastly, as far as the 1040 window goes, is the Garrison family. Um, Travis and Sharon Garrison live in Central Asia, again, a predominantly Muslim area. Um, and they, they actually opened up a bookstore to where people could come in, buy books, and a lot of their books are Christian books. All the books are approved by the government, but yet they still talk about Jesus. Their ministry is not about the books. It's about the relationships with the people when they come in to buy the books. They've been over there for over five years. Um, lots to be going on, lots to be praying for, for that family out there as well. 1040 window. What do I mean by the 1040 window? The 1040 window is just simply uh, the uh, longitude of the 10 degree mark. It's in between the 10 degree and the 40 degree area that you're seeing on the map. And uh, the highlighted areas on this map are areas that are very hostile to the gospel. And so having missionaries go to these areas to be able to preach and proclaim the gospel, it's a dangerous thing, but it's also very, if it's not dangerous, like lose your life dangerous, it's a very hostile uh, environment and a really tough environment to work in. So those three that we got to see a second ago are living in, the, in that area. And lastly, the Johnsons, Dwight and Becky Johnson, many years over in Taiwan. Uh, he works at a school, a high school, where missionary kids go to school. You may be thinking, those kids already know Jesus. I'm going to ask you, have you ever met a missionary kid? Um, 
if you are, Karen Lynn, sorry about that. That's not really a poke. Um, no, it, it, that there are many missionary kids who uh, grow up in a missionary home loving Jesus. But there are many who are hurt and broken because of, man, it, it's hard living overseas. And so his ministry is educating but also uh, caring for missionary kids. But there are also a lot of Taiwanese kids who live in the area who have wealth that could come to this school that he's um, serving in. And uh, he gets to share the gospel to these Taiwanese uh, individuals who don't know Jesus. And so that's his ministry. We've been supporting him for, for a, a lot of years. Again, lots to pray about for those, for those guys. Whew. So much. Thanks for bearing with me getting through that. We want to do our best as Harvest to tell all these people, we haven't forgotten you and we love you and we want to care for you the best way that we can. Moving forward, starting relatively soon, maybe even this Sunday in your community life group, if you're involved in a community life group, if not in the next few weeks, another strategy that we're having as Harvest Community Church to stay invested in missionaries' lives are through community life groups, we're asking groups to adopt a missionary or to adopt a partnership, a local partnership, just one. And we, I've sent stuff to community life group leaders. If you, community life group leaders, if you didn't get that, we have them printed on the Welcome Center today. But, we, but I've sent that out to say this is what it means to actually adopt a missionary or to adopt a, um, uh, a local partnership of ours. And simply, it's monthly we're, we're committing to pray. We're not going to forget about this person we're choosing to adopt. We're going to pray for strategically these individuals. As prayer sheets come up, we're committing. We're praying for these people. Secondly, we want community life group leaders or community life groups to know uh, how many kids are living overseas with these families. When are their birthdays? When's Christmas coming up? Is there a way for us to strategically be caring for these families where we can just build care packages for these individuals to be shipping off to them? And our missions team wants to work with community life group leaders to make sure that we are caring best for our, uh, for our missionaries and for these local partnerships who are around us that we're invested in. So I hope that you'll hear more about that in your community life group this evening or this week as you're invested. But just because, moving forward, just because we support missionaries, that doesn't make us missional. I think this is a false thinking that we've had in the Big C Church for a while. My church sends, I give money to my church, my church sends money to missionaries, so therefore I am missional. I want to challenge that thinking today. I think that's good and great and needs to continue. I think there's more as well. So the question being asked is, what is the missional church? Well, I could tell you, but why not show you a video that shares it better than I could? So I have a video that I'm going to share. Um, and are you, if you guys are ready, and hold on, let's get the sound cleared. And oh, this is the missional church. Perfect. Simple. In the past, churches have spent large amounts of resources to construct the most attractive places imaginable for the community in which they were situated. Great music compelling teaching, and a host of programs designed to gather people together were the staple of such church communities. Anyone who wanted to come was welcome, and church members were encouraged to invite their friends and neighbors. Generally, people had a pleasant experience. The people who came and were cared for seemed relatively similar. Education, income, pastimes, race, struggles, and histories seemed to be almost identical. 
Eventually, someone asked the question, what about all the people who aren't like us, but who live around us? Why aren't they here too? In response, the church increased its marketing budget, direct mailing the community, taking out ads in local papers, buying radio time, releasing a fresh web page, and offering to host the world's greatest event. The church was determined to be the center of everything great that happened in the community. Church members began to rely on the church to do the work of conveying God's story in the world. If someone could be brought to an event, they could hear about Jesus from a professional teacher. Inviting people became synonymous with evangelism. The missional church, on the other hand, empowers its members to be the church in the community. The church trains, resources, encourages, and challenges its people to live out the good news in their community with those who would otherwise be suspicious of a church and its marketing efforts. The church sends out its members to live among people unfamiliar with church customs, songs, and what it holds sacred, just like a foreign missionary. The missional church recognizes then that every believer embodies the life of the church in their neighborhood, in their school, or at their place of work, each one of them telling God's story in the context of compassionate and genuine relationships. So the missional church defined, if I were to just define what the missional church is, this is the way that, that I would want us to think about it. Um, we uh, unintentionally have made the four walls of the building the central location. Let's build the greatest programs that we can. Let's invite all the friends into it, and let's let the professional teachers do the things the professional people need to do, and that is the way that we're missional. That's not what Jesus intends when he sends us out into the world. We are called to be missional in the world around us. We're called to come to this place. So... Um, what a missional church is, it's a group of people like you and like me coming to a central loca a location like a local church to learn together, to live like Jesus, to reach our world. This is what we do when we come here. We celebrate who Jesus is together and we worship his holy name because of what he has done in and through our lives. And yes, we do invite friends into this experience because the gospel, we hope every single week is so clearly proclaimed. But this is not an end into itself. It is, being missional is so much more. So after we come to this place of learning together and celebrating Jesus, we then leave our local church and we live out the beautiful name of Jesus. We live out the beautiful gospel story to the world. The church is not ever centered on a building. We can read Jesus' own words and Paul's words that remind us that it was never about a building. It was about a man invested in our lives as he sends us out to live for his glory. So the church is not about the building being central, but the people of Jesus are sent out to live the greatest love story that we've ever told, that we were ever told. Missional living is so much more than maybe what our experience in church has been in the past. In some ways, what I've just said makes perfect sense. In other ways, maybe what I've said seems a little intimidating because it puts a little bit of weight on our shoulders. It puts a little of our skin in the game. That means we have to do things and craft a story and being able to talk about Jesus whenever he asks us to do it. Yes, absolutely. A narrow way, or sorry, a narrow view of proclaiming the gospel is not what is 
the most helpful in thinking how to live missionally. We get a little insecure because maybe I'll be asked to talk about Jesus and I don't have the answers if they start asking questions. I'm not going to minimize or belittle what, uh, what um, sorry, 1 Peter 3.15 says, that, that, when, that we need to have a ready defense to share to those around us the hope of the gospel. We need to be ready to speak. But we also need to not just have a narrow way of preaching the gospel. We need to be invested relationally in people around the world to be able to know how to um, love people the way that Jesus loved people, build relationships with people the way that Jesus built relationships with people, and be invested our, in our lives individually into what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. So whenever he says, go and speak and proclaim my name to this person, to this friend, to this neighbor, you're following what Jesus is doing. You're not trying to force in a situation that God's not in in that moment. Missional living is so much more than a per- per- perfectly crafted story. Missional living are these three things. Individually, this is not a church, these are, indiv- these are us as individuals. Missional living is incarnational, it's indigenous, it is intentional. What do we mean by those? Incarnational. Missional living is um, incarnational by being deeply entrenched in our communities. Where you live, where you work, the people you know, we need to be deeply entrenched in the people around us. That is our call. That is what Jesus is leading us to. Secondly, he's calling us to be indigenous, I can't even say that word, sorry, indigenous people, invested in it and reflecting the, col- the culture appropriately. Now, there is an inappropriate way to reflect the culture, but there is a very appropriate way to, to reflect the culture. So many times, some churches come in and just say, we want to be so different that the world around us just doesn't want anything to do with what's going on inside those buildings because we make non-foundational things foundational. When we only need to stand foundationally on the things that Jesus makes foundational and have great conversations about the things that maybe are a little peripheral, but invested in the culture. Where is culture going? Where are students going? Where are teenagers going? Phones, social media, these type things are never going away. They're only going to get stronger. So how are we embracing who we are as Western American people living in the suburbs of Portland, Oregon? How are we indigenous people? Missional living is intentional living. Intentional about our methodologies and building relationships with people around us. We don't just enjoy our holy huddle here on Sunday mornings. No, we're living for the gospel of Jesus Christ once we leave these doors. The moment we leave these doors, we know we're representing Jesus. My youth pastor used to tell me, and it stuck with me all these years, that we as followers of Jesus are Jesus with skin on. The world around us can't see Jesus with their own physical eyes. You may be the only Jesus that the world around you sees. How are we reflecting him and his glory? I love St. August or uh, St. Francis of Assisi. He says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Yes, we need to use words. The gospel is a very verbal thing. We also need to be indigenous people living with those around us for the glory of God. 
Think about a missionary being dropped into the Amazon. If they were dropped into the Amazon, going into a village and start proclaiming Jesus, you need to turn, you need to repent, you need to just read this book, you need to believe. Let's start an argument about what your culture says and what this book says. You're never, ever, ever going to reach that tribe in the Amazon. You land in the Amazon, you learn the people, you learn their language, you proclaim the gospel in their language, and you ask God to move. Why should it be any different for you and me in living where we live? We don't just support missionaries. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the missionaries here as well. Um, to kind of end this time together, I'd like to open up scripture. We are at church, so we might as well read a little bit of scripture, right? <laughs> I love what James, in a couple of different places, says about this as he encourages us to think missionally. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Let's look at verse 19 through 21. He says, know this, my, bro my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear slow, uh, and slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant and wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He starts with us. And he says, don't just be hearers of the word. Don't just be quick to hear, but be slow to anger and slow to speak. So for us, it's essential that we hear. It's essential that we learn. It's essential that we gather in, these four, in the midst of these four walls. It's essential that we know God and who he is. And it is essential that as we see ourselves in the light of the righteousness of God, that we do repent constantly saying, we are so far from perfect and God, you are perfect. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to be perfect in my place. And where I want to be king in my life, I repent and I give to you. And I say, that's not what I want. What I want is you more than anything else. That's his first call to us, and first and foremost call. Verse 22, he continues, he says to us as followers of Jesus, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently in the, at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, uh, pers uh, perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We must not move away from the idea of everything we just learned in this previous series, that it is by grace and grace alone that we are saved. This is the difference between us and our friends who maybe are at a church across the street from our homes over at the, the Mormon church or the Jehovah's Witness church. They believe that they're saved by works, so they're the ones knocking on your doors trying to earn jewels in heaven to be able to earn favor with God. So that's why they work. That's why they do. 
We are saved by grace, but we must not stop there. We must understand that that grace that saves us compels us and pushes us forward to live for his name and for his glory in the way that he has created you and the gifts that he has given you naturally. We don't have to become this whole different person. God uses who you are in your world to make himself known when we're just available to the Holy Spirit to use. Lastly, verse 26, it reads, if, any, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, his, this person is, uh, person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Followers of Jesus are aware aware of what's going on in the world. And followers of Jesus are intentional with our approach to the world around us. What's going on? Who's suffering? Who's hurting just around me and my circle and in the entire world? What is my responsibility? And the beautiful thing is when you ask Jesus that stuff, we don't get overwhelmed. When we ask Jesus those questions, he gives us specific ways or he gives us freedom to not be invested which is a beautiful thing that God doesn't leave us alone. He's so near and he's so dear into who we are. Lastly, James uh, 2. So let's turn to James 2 and also read uh, verse 14 through 17. Along the same breath, he says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and any one of you says to them, go in peace and be warm and be filled without giving him the things he needs for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We are saved by grace and grace alone. But the love of Jesus that saves us calls us to be compassionate and to be selfless and to be hearing the people around us. We don't have the resources as individuals to care for all the needs in the entire world, but we can be present and be intentional with the way we interact with people, both followers of Jesus that we know well and people who don't know Jesus that live near to us. Our actions matter and matter a lot. Missional living. Um, well, before I go there, I do want to make the point very clear here in James 2 that if we believe in Jesus, but we're apathetic to the world around us, our faith is worthless. And that's what I'm pulling from James. If your faith is for you and you alone, it ends in the wrong place. It should end for the glory of God moving forward. Mission of Living puts the weight of sharing the gospel in our hands with our actions, our deeds, our money, our times, our giftings, our resources. Uh, what I like to do is close by just saying, okay, who are we as a church? What are we doing in Hillsboro? I want to um, have the explanation that these things that I'm about to share these are things that, that we have chosen as a church 
to be invested in, to live for Jesus to our neighbors around us. And yes, we're going to be talking about and challenging all of our church to be invested in some way in these things. But really what these things do is these things are supposed to launch us into thinking about how we can use our gifts to live for his glory. A prime example of what I mean by that is we're going to talk about in a second Tobias Elementary, and we are committing to serve Tobias Elementary. And if you're like, you know what, I don't have any connection at Tobias, but my kids go to this school, and I can be, just as you're invested at Tobias, and I want to do this at my kids' local school, that is not a loss for Harvest because you're not invested in Harvest. That is a win for us because we get to live for the glory of God together. So our encouragement is that we do these things together. We're being invested together, but also go beyond these things wherever God is leading you in our area. So we want to keep it simple. We want to keep it clean. We've talked about this in the past, but I want to make sure that it's really clear that we have these three categories in which we think about serving locally, these local projects that we're invested in. We want to be invested in a local school. For right now, that's just one school. Maybe in the future, there's two or three schools, depending on how we grow and how we become invested and where we are financially. But right now, we want to do Tobias Elementary, and we want to do it well. We want to serve those in need, and we also want to serve the vulnerable. Well, what do we mean by those? Hopefully you can see that-ish. And so uh, Love Tobias is our first project with our local schools. And there are so many ways. This is an ongoing project. Uh, starting in the summertime, we do our, our, our drive for uh, school supplies for, for them. And so when you provide um, supplies for them, you've been invested in, in Tobias. If you've been invested in the food that you guys, uh, that we've brought for the Harvest Bread Box, you've been invested in Tobias. If you give your tithes and offerings here, you're invested in Tobias because we as a church have, uh, have provided lunch for the, uh, for the staff team the very first day of school, and we're looking forward to the future of whenever uh, Teachers Appreciation Day comes, we want to provide lunch again. We just want to tell teachers, you're not alone. We're coming around you. We know your job's hard. We know that you're, it's a thankless job, and we're coming around you saying thank you. In the name of Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. So that's what, that's what we're doing. We also support an organization called Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, who cares for those, uh, men, or those people in need. It's a local organization. It, it's it's uh, right here in Hillsboro, and there are a number of different ways that this group uh, cares for people in need, and we come alongside them. We want people who, uh, we, we'd love for people to be invested and volunteer. We'd love for people to give other time and resources into that ministry, and we want to make it clear about where their needs are for uh, as they move forward. And lastly, uh, we have the, the vulnerable where we've um, introduced the family room to you. The family room is a ministry that works with the um, um, child protective services. So uh, children who are in the foster care system, uh, it provides a safe place for uh, children in the foster care system to be able to hang out with their birth parents, mom, dad, both, whoever is still in the picture, for them to build a relationship together because they know that it's important for a child to have a relationship with their birth parents. Whether if they're ever going to be reunited with them or not, that's the safe place. They want to be able to give parent skills and kids opportunity to get to know who their birth parents are and get to know them relationally. Second goal for theirs is to be able to have reunification. And so when things go well, they can be reunited with uh, with families, and it's a, it's a great ministry uh, here in the Portland area. They, they meet on the east side of town and also here in Hillsboro at Colossae Church down the street in Hawthorne Farms area. 
Lastly, first image, who used to be known as Pregnancy Resource Center. Um, it just caring for life, um, caring for individuals who find themselves pregnant or, want, or in unwanted pregnancies and walking through families um, in a, a way that honors and glorifies Jesus to say, here are all of your options. And again, so many ways to be plugged in and informed with that. More is coming out um, slowly about how we can be invested there. But that's who we are locally. So, be passionate about your neighbors. Be passionate about your coworkers. Be passionate about your friends. Live uh, incarnationally. Live indigenously. Live intentionally. Just imagine this map that we've invested in today. I love seeing dots all over the map because we've said it's important to be invested in these areas. And I would love to see that grow as we continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Just imagine if that was centered on Hillsboro, if we all lived so intentionally and missionally in the Beaverton Hillsboro area, what we could do for the glory of Jesus. And that's my challenge for us today as we think about who we are missionally. As we do the um, two times a month, we receive communion. And we're going to close the sermon time and entering into a worship time. So I want to invite the worship team back on the stage. And we're going to continue worshiping through communion. My challenge to us as followers of Jesus as we enter into this time is just to be connecting with Jesus personally and saying, "Where, where have I been strong in living for you missionally, Jesus? And please let me know where I can be stronger. And as we're going into this communion of receiving the bread that represents the um, body of Christ broken for us, and we receive the juice that just represents the blood of Christ shared for us, what we do is we just engage with Jesus to say, show me my sin. Show me where I'm selfish. Show me where I'm strong because I want to live for you more holistically. So with that, I want to invite our ushers forward. And as they're coming forward, they're bringing the, the bread with them. The night before Jesus was crucified and was killed and was buried, before he raised again, he sat with his disciples. And he said, do this often. Take the Lord's Supper often and do it in remembrance of me. This is really a family thing that we do as followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, it's okay to let this pass along the aisles. But this is something we get to do to just worship him, to say this is um, uh, a a way to remember the sacrifice you've made for us. So, uh, ushers, if you can pass the the plates, please. And guys, when you get your cup or your bread, if you can just hold on to it until we come back together.